Hey, all you reinventors out there. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the host of Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour, the podcast. I'm also the founder of Covey Club, and I am here to tell you today that we have hit a major milestone. Most podcasts don't make it past 15 episodes. That's the norm. I just wanted to tell you, I am doing a very special thing today because we are hitting 100,000 downloads and 150 women that we have interviewed, 150 episodes. So the 150th, I wanted to look back and see what I've learned. What have I learned from talking to all of you? I've talked to women from around the world who have reinvented themselves in a thousand different ways, in a thousand different directions, with a thousand different elements and factors moving around. What have I learned? What can you learn? What's the big overall broad picture um, looking at this? And also just to celebrate the fact that, wow, this is like, this is huge. I mean, who gets to that point? <laughs> and I'm so proud of us. And I wanted to thank my wonderful nephew, John Alba, who has been helping actually cut this and get it to the podcast and post it. And my wonderful assistant, Marissa Villarino, who has hung in there from the beginning days of Covey Club. And look where we are now. I did not know if we would ever make it here but because of everybody's persistence, um, here we are. Anyway, I also wanted to um, ask my good friend, Dana Hilmer, who is one of Covey Club's reinvention um, coaches who helps us with our positive mornings. Um, she also runs with Wendy Parati, one of our other reinvention coaches, uh, Camp Reinvention, which is a whole instructional slash coaching group uh, which helps you deal with that second half of your life and what are you going to be and who are you going to be and how are you going to get there um, to come and uh, be my conversation partner uh, because I don't like to just talk to myself. And so it's a wonderful conversation between Dana and me and it will hit all the highlights of what I've learned over the last 150 episodes so here we go. I hope you enjoy this. This is a little bit longer than we normally do just because there's so much to say. And if you enjoy the podcast, I hope that you will share it with everybody. We want to bring more people into the Covey Club family and into the podcast. And if you like what you hear, come on over to Covey Club. We are deep into reinvention. We know a lot about it. We know how to get you going. We know how to help you find what it is you're looking for. And as I say, we hold a space for you while you figure out what is next for you in this great part of your life. So here we go. Welcome, Dana. Go ahead and shoot with your first question. All right. This is going to be fun. It's really fun to celebrate your 150th interview. I know. Incredible. So so you have interviewed 150 women. You have over 100,000 downloads. Congratulations. Can't even so believe it. Yeah. With all these women you've spoken to, what would you say are the broad strokes of what you've learned? What's so interesting, Dana, is that I, and, I, and going into this, you know, I'm a researcher. I'm a journalist, a researcher. I love to find things out. 
Um, I didn't know, like, can anybody reinvent? I thought, you know, I used to think when I was younger that anybody, I could teach anybody to write. And I found out when I taught courses on writing that that's not necessarily true. You do have to have some kind of talent. What's really interesting is after all these interviews, and I've interviewed, you know, women you've never heard of before to women you have heard of, and everybody is going to face a moment when they have to reinvent at some point in their life if they're over the age of 40. It's just going to happen because no, no one gets a straight shot, right? That's we all think, you know, if we get the perfect life and the perfect job and the perfect kids, which of course no one has, um, that it's holly holly all come free. We don't have to, you know, we're, we're easy sailing. That's not how life is. Life is, and you certainly know this with um, what you do for work, it's an up and down situation. Things throw themselves in front of you. There are obstacles, there are hurricanes, there are tornadoes, there are, I mean, some people get, you know, three hurricanes in a row in a month. I mean, it is, that is life. And you are going to be faced, forced to reinvent. And everybody responds to it in a different way. And the key is, is to understand that you will be asked to reinvent at some point. And you can, this, these are the broad strokes that, that I've learned from 150 women. A lot of people think it's about money. It's not. It's true that money helps, of course it does, but it is not the game changer um, by any means. There are people who I've interviewed who've sold their houses um, in order to reinvent because they wanted to do something so much. Or they've started, you can start a web business for like 250 bucks, you can do it. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that it's not easier if you have a lot of money to throw at it. There can be any reason for reinventing. It can be, you know, everything from losing your job to, you know, ageism, to a health issue, to simply a desire to start new. A lot of women run into things like uh, empty nest and they, you know, they're executive women. They, they're, and I, that's kind of how I was. I was like, yeah, empty nest, who cares? I cried for three weeks when both my kids were gone. <laughs> you know, we think we're tough. We're not. And there are so many reasons. You have widowhood. You have divorce. You have people having to move in um, with a parent who's elderly, who needs to be taken care of. You, you can lose your house for some reason in a storm or in a fire. I mean, it is literally stuff that you don't control. And what I like to say a lot is that, you know, there, there are times in life when you are going to be forced to reinvent yourself and you have to be ready to respond. It is very difficult to run away from reinvention. And the good part is, is that you can do it. And that's what I've learned overall is that you can come from any direction you can come from any socioeconomic background. You can come from career. You can come from whatever. You can do it. Um, and the categories that, you know, I, I speak to people a lot about career, but also about their health, their marriage, their body, their beauty routines, downsizing a house, upsizing a house, decluttering. There are many ways to reinvent. Sometimes people think reinvention is such a giant word that they don't want to go near it. But I really look at reinvention as their small, tiny little reinventions, and then their big, giant reinventions. 
and you get to decide what kind of reinvention you want to do. But the point is, is that everybody's going to have to do it at some point. I don't know a person who has not had to. And if you think they haven't had to, you haven't scratched the surface enough. A lot of people don't talk about their reinventions because sometimes they were forced to reinvent and they're embarrassed about why they had to reinvent. They, they, don't, they don't think it's a worthy topic to talk about. Um, but I think it's a great topic <laughs> to talk about because it's power. I mean, you must see that in your work as well, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think it all starts with the belief that you can make a change mm -hmm. in life. And mm -hmm. there's huge power in that. There's opportunity in that. And sometimes, like you said, the change may not be initiated by something you're happy about, or it might be. But whatever the case is, you have the ability to make a change, whether it's big or small. And I love that you touched on that, Leslie, that reinvention doesn't need to mean that you're dropping everything and moving to Italy. That'd be cool. Right. And <laughs> though people do that, but it doesn't right. have or to New be Orleans. like that. Right. It does not have to be like that. It does not. And sometimes those smallest shifts that may seem small at the time, whether it's a shift of a mindset or a shift of how you're taking care of your body, or you're just trying something new, sometimes those little teeny changes can cause huge changes over the course of your life that are really exciting. Yes. And send and, you in a completely different direction. Yes. And to not shirk off those small reinventions with saying that it's nothing big. And those, and then really what, what I find really interesting, and you must find this as well, is how a little reinvention can snowball into a bigger and bigger and bigger. We used to laugh when I was running More Magazine in that, you know, because with More, you had to plan the cover celebrity. Um, a year in advance, you had to nail them down, you know, hopefully a year in advance. This is true for any celebrity bookings. And then um, you would shoot them, you know, like four months out. And then by the time the cover came out, you were pra practically a year in. Inevitably, the hilarious part about more, um, because it catered to women 40 plus, was <laughs> we'd be putting women on the cover, celebrities who were, you know, had reinvented themselves or were going through reinvention, whatever. Inevitably, as the magazine's coming out, they were getting divorced as well. Like oh, for sure. in the year that they'd started, you know, a new job or a new series or a new whatever, it's like, oh, well, all right, you know, I'm going the full hog anyway. It's really very funny. We just used to laugh. We were like, oh my God, are we like the divorce magazine or something? <laughs> But you know, it kind of remind just, me too of the quote, Leslie, that you know, life happens when you're making other plans, right? Yes. Like correct. the reality is life just keeps changing. And you know, clearly we've all experienced that in a huge way with COVID. Oh my God. But yes. you know, life keeps changing. And the joke is kind of on us. You know, we think that we control everything, but the reality is life is uncertain. And I think COVID made us realize that, but it's absolutely really new. It's not yes. new. We just always think we have control, but we really don't. I used to laugh. How you react to it. I used to laugh. I did a 25 years of therapy myself. And I used to laugh and say, you know, why don't they just, you walk in, you pay the money and they just say, it's all about control and you don't have any of it. So give it up and we're done. You can <laughs> save yourself all that money. And um, it, that's my biggest wisdom of 25 years of therapy is, a control is a fabrication and what we need to have in order to walk across the street. 
you know, every day we think we're going to be fine crossing the street. And in reality, it's quite dangerous, yeah. but we need to, we need to have that fabrication in our minds and um, control as well. And I think you're right. We have an awful lot of interviews we've done with women um, whose businesses were destroyed during COVID. Um, people, you know, in the beauty business who, you know, relied on testers and putting stuff on your face or face-to-face -face contact. And some of them launched their businesses right before COVID ha had a pack pivot. I mean, there's a, a whole handful, anybody who's listening, who's trying to come out of COVID in their business and needs to pivot. There's a, a whole handful of interviews for you um, recently, all in the last year about pivoting in a pandemic, because who the hell knew this was going to happen. And for a lot of people, that actually made their businesses stronger and made them wider and gave them an, a, a national or international audience that they were not expecting. You know, it's interesting, Leslie, you know, obviously we at Camp Reinvention pivoted, but you did too in a big oh, way. Oh God, yes. Hobby Club. <laughs> and it yes. changed the whole focus of your business. It did. Yes, yeah, so right. tell me how that pivot happened for you at Coffee Club and you know where you're at now as a result of it. That's a good point. Thank you. Um, the yes, Covey was, you know, we had some content that we put out, we would, maybe we would do a virtual event once a month. That was what I was doing. And as COVID hit, we had already been doing a lot on zoom. And I decided, okay, I'm kind of tired of all the editing of content. Anyway, I've done it my whole life. It kind of gets boring after a while. Let me lean into the stuff that I really enjoy, which is the one-on-one. -on -one. And this is just the beginning of using Zoom. I mean, when we started, nobody knew what Zoom was. I used to have to start every Zoom with, here's how you use the controls. Here's how you turn it on. Here's, I mean, it was hilarious. I had to teach Not people. anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. And so we, we really ramped up um, our teaching during COVID. And we were teaching sometimes like four times a week. We brought in um, you and Wendy um, to do our uh, positive mornings because at a certain point during that pandemic, I thought we were all going to lose our minds being locked up in our homes. And I thought, let's just try to figure out together each morning how we're going to have a positive spin on everything. And we started positive mornings as two weeks um, every single day. That was a marathon. It felt like it was, but it was so rich and so <laughs> amazing it, to connect. Totally amazing. And now we have this group and we do it once a week and it's fantastic. And I hope all of you listening will um, come and listen. Um, I'm offering everybody a, a free visit to our positive mornings. Um, you just check out right to Marissa at coveyclub.com and she'll let you come for a free visit to see what you think. And um, it's become an incredible time for people to really think about where they are each week, not let it slide by and make sure that we are accomplishing something. And Covey, during that time, people told us when we did some research at the end of the pandemic, which is kind of still going on, but the, the core of it, people told us that they couldn't have made it through the pandemic without Covey Club, which was so interesting. And what I also learned is it was very hard for me to tell exactly what set Covey apart. What did we do that nobody else could do? And in the beginning, I thought I had to find everybody's reinvention for them. And what I learned through the pandemic was no, what Covey Club can do is hold a space for you 
while you figure out what you're going to do next and how you're going to live and approach that second half of your life. I can't tell you what your reinvention is going to be, but these wonderful, incredible women will hold a space for you. We'll educate you. We will befriend you. We will do business with you and we'll laugh a lot. We'll get together and you will grow. That's what's so interesting. Holding a space for somebody while they grow is so unique and so important. And we've seen it work. You know, it's, you speak to a couple things that I want to just comment on that I think are so beautiful. First of all, when we're going through a hard time, we think we're alone. We're bouncing around Correct. in that little head of ours. And it's not until you join a group like Cubby Club yes. that you get the opportunity to connect with other women and realize, holy smokes, we're all going through the same thing here. And yes. so everybody comes together and connects on such a rich level that doesn't always happen in your day-to-day life with people that you, you know, see in town or whatever. Yes. So that connection is so rich. And I also love that whatever somebody's reinvention is, you're bringing in experts, having conversations, doing all sorts of teachings that are rich in conversations. So whatever you're trying to reinvent, you've had programs and classes and conversations that help people learn what they need to learn. Yes, other, we have. Know, yeah, we have over a hundred. We, we, we're actually putting together our library now. So when members join, they can go back and look at it. It's over 150 um, conversations and classes we've already you know, clocked into the library and you can learn anything. And what's great is it's from a 40 plus woman's point of view. It's not a DIY 20 year old. I mean, my mm-hmm. kids learn a very different way. They can, for anything, they'll just download the YouTube <laughs> and figure it out. I'm not quite that nimble. And um, what's great is to actually be taught in a language that you understand and from a perspective that you understand. People can, you know, yeah understand the lingo. It's not all acronyms you've never heard of. Yeah, absolutely. So I got a tough question for you because I know you've interviewed so many people. And of course, you were editor-in-chief of More Magazine. You've been diving into this reinvention world for a really long time. So what are some of the most interesting reinventions that stand out to you? I was shocked, of course, because, you know, I don't go looking for people in my business, but they come up because I know them. But what was really very interesting was to find that people that I know, and I know this will ring a bell, and if if it doesn't, it will eventually, because you'll find out, who I thought were so happy and perfect, they had the perfect lives, they had the perfect job. I'm over here struggling, you know, when I was an editor-in-chief of Moore or Mary Claire, they're doing fabulous And then when I talk to them about their reinventions, they're like, oh God, I was so miserable. (laughs) It's like, you were like, you put it out there. Like you were like, you know, the poster girl for how every, oh no, my boss was horrible. The place was horrible. Um, So it's so interesting. Um, You know, it's just that those are the real, um, you know, amazing things. Kristen Von Ogtrop, when she talked to me about Real Simple, um, when she was editor-in-chief there, I was like, you got to be kidding. I mean, she literally looked like the golden child, like nothing could go wrong for her. And she was struggling. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, a friend of mine, Eva Dillon, who had been a on the ad side when I was at Glamour and then went off to do Reader's Digest and all that, um, 
when her mom passes away, they find all this information about her dad and how her dad um, ended up was working for the CIA, which the family never knew. And she ended up writing a book about it. She turned out to be a great writer. The book is excellent. Um, And I was like, who are these people? Like, I, you know, I've known them for 20 years, but I don't really know them. And then one of the people who I admire the most, Emily Black, who's um, a a very good writer, you know, she talks about how losing a child um, forced her to reinvent. And she, you know, she also had a a handicap growing up. And so she she's well acquainted with having to to reinvent herself. And then, you know, what's really interesting is to look at people who are famous. I've interviewed a couple of famous people like Gretchen Carlson, who sued her boss, Roger Ailes for firing her. And she reinvented herself as an activist for women's issues in the workplace, working against NDAs, which, you know, keep women's voices suppressed um, and force you to work things out undercover without, you know, bringing these things to the attention of the world which is how people like Roger Ailes got along for so long, hiding his um, sexist issues. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, there are just so many, I can't even tell you. There's Claire Cook, who was a, you know, just a regular mom. She wanted to be a writer. Her kids were into hockey. She'd sit in the minivan and she would write, you know, <laughs> books in the minivan during Love those that. horrible, like 4 a.m., you know, when you have to go to the ice and you're like, I'm not going in there anymore. And she would write in the, you know, in the minivan. So I love the fact that people find a way and they find different levers that make them reinvent. And they, you know, I also love the people like Gretchen who, you know, what I like to say is these people could be, you know, Bergdorf Goodman girls from there on in. They make a ton of money somehow and they could just walk away and they don't. And I totally love that. I love when, when people are, it doesn't matter how comfortable they are. They are uncomfortable enough with what's going on in the world that they can't be silent. And I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And, you know, what's interesting is as you're talking about these women from different backgrounds, there isn't any one type of person, quote unquote, that reinvent their life. It really is everybody. Yes, correct. Correct. And I think sometimes we can look at what somebody does like, ooh, wasn't she lucky that she could be a magazine editor and then start Covey Club? No, it took certain qualities, certain commitment, a certain amount of courage. Um, resilience, right. Resilience, honesty with yourself. Like there's, there are things that every single person needs to be able to step into to make a change, especially a big change, but there isn't a secret sauce. There isn't one type of person. Everybody can learn this. Everybody can step into this. And that leads to my, my next question is what would you say are the keys to reinvention? And what is that kind of common theme that you see among the women that you've spoken to? Very interesting. There are common themes, but you're right. It's not one kind of person. It seems to be one kind of mindset. And I know we talk a lot in our businesses, both of ours, about open mindset, closed mindset. And you need to have that open mindset that says, I can do more than what I've done already. Mm -hmm. I am curious. I am interested in the world. I think there are some women when they get to the age of 40 plus, they feel they've, they've imbibed a lot of what 
the world sends their way, which is you're too old, you're over, you're past your prime, blah, 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 blah. If you believe any of that, that's going to be a barrier. But if you have an open mind, I think anything is possible. And in fact, there are many, many people I've run into who just do this entire thing based on open mind and envisioning. There's, there's a group of them. I can't say that I'm one of those. I can't envision. I'm not quite that good at it. But there are some people who just, they're like evangelicals for this project <laughs> here. They just like, I saw it and I went there and I'm like, wow, I wish I could. I'm not quite that bold. It, it doesn't happen for me that way. But there are a very lot of people that they see it and they can move their way toward it. And they actually spend time envisioning it. They actually, um, in their meditations and all that, they, they envision it and they move towards it. Having a will to do something is huge. And persistence, which I think a lot of women are really good at. I don't think women realize how excellent we are at persistence. Yes. And I think, I think that comes from taking care of families and taking care of husbands and taking care of partners and elders. We are very persistent because if we're not, we're going to fail in our, you know, designated society, you know, gender description. We're the caregivers, right? You can't be a good caregiver if you're not persistent because a lot can go wrong. And not everybody's a cooperative entity that you have to work <laughs> with. But persistent is really huge. I'd say one of the big lessons that everybody talks about that, they, um, that they've learned over time is asking for help. And mm -hmm. that's extremely difficult. If you are an accomplished person, if you have come out of corporate where you're not allowed to ask for help, um, it's, you know, in corporate life, sometimes asking for help is, you know, looked at as weakness. It's looked at as too female, as, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. One of the keys to success and reinvention of any kind is asking for help for of people who you may not even know that well. There are people who've told me they literally just go through their LinkedIn connections and start dialing. And I'm like, I'm an extrovert. I can, I can reach out to almost anybody, but I'm, my mouth's on the floor. And they're like, yeah, some people don't respond, but it, you know, most of them do, and they're happy to talk. You know, Leslie, um, it's interesting. I think one thing I've really noticed about your reinvention is you're, uh -huh. you're excellent at asking for help, and you do it through the lens of curiosity. Yes, because that's you, a good way. Right? Like, you always want to learn about how people are doing things, what, what's a better way to do something. And yes. to ask for help through that lens of curiosity, people are always happy to share their knowledge. I mean, I shouldn't say always, most people are happy people. to share their knowledge. And I would even say that most people view it as a gift to be able to help. We just yes. don't have courage all too often to ask. But when yes. we're asked, we're really happy to do it. And it feels really good to be able to help somebody. I learned that from my um, publishing partners um, in all my uh, editorial days is that they would go into someone they wanted to land as a advertiser and they would start asking about them and their business and we would and they would rattle off for an hour <laughs> and then I would say like why'd you do they go everybody loves to talk about themselves and how they did it 
And I'm like, okay, you know, everybody <laughs> wants to be the hero. So you can learn a lot by asking people how they did what they did and they will, but I am genuinely curious about everything. So, but that, that is definitely a way in, but there are people, Dana, who literally just call up and say, I am thinking about going into your field, you know, would you mind having a virtual coffee or a real coffee? Um, can I take 15 minutes or 20 minutes of your time? And, and I have to say, I'm one of those people. I love, I love reaching out to people in that way. And um, there's so much to be learned, right? Yes. There's so much to be learned. And I think everything you want to create in life, everything you want to do in life is really based on the people that you have in your life, right? And it's all about helping each other. Yes. But I do think that all those opportunities that your listeners are eager to open for themselves are one or two connections away. Hmm. Interesting. That's interesting. The other thing is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Yeah. That is, you know, I actually got very used to having that sort of uncomfortable feeling in my stomach when I went back to Columbia and got my degree there. Um, when I would write a story and, you know, be dropped into, you know, the tsunami in literal tsunami in Thailand and you have to figure your way around. It's scary, yeah. but it definitely helps you grow and um, it helps you know you're on the right track. And starting mm -hmm. early, one of the things um, that I really, really have found is if you can be honest with yourself ahead of time that something is coming. We tend to hide ourselves, our heads in the sand. It's not pleasant to know that, you know, a relationship's not working. Um, a job is not going to last. Um, whatever you may be holding on to, you have to be honest with yourself about it. Because the longer you have to get going, the better off you are. Mm -hmm. And to make your plans. And what I say to Covey Club, a lot of people come into Covey Club, you know, as they're standing in the doorway and their boss is, you know, pounding down the hallway with a pink slip. Um, that's fine, but it's much better to start a year ahead, two years ahead, when this, when you have a sense that this might happen. Mm -hmm. And of course, those are always the best things. Um, but if you can't do that, um, we can, you know, we can still jump in and throw you a life raft. It's just easier <laughs> if we have a longer runway, just because it takes some time to get some things set up. Absolutely. And I think too, with that honesty, which again, can be hard to do for yourself sometimes, right. but with that honesty, that's where you actually start getting some control, right? Because you can oh, make very steps, good. right? Even if, even if it's just little steps, you can start taking steps. And with that, you're learning and you start feeling like you're back in the driver's seat of your life again. Totally. That's a good way to put it back in the driver's seat of your life. Yep. Totally. So what do you think are some of those kind of imaginary things, you know, that people have in their heads that stand yep. in the way of them reinventing of making the changes they want to make in their life? Um, number one, I hear is money all the time. And of course, money is a big stopper. You can't launch, you know, a big, huge business without having figured out the money situation ahead of time. But the people who really want to do it, they figure it out. I mean, of course, it's nice. That's also why I say if you can be honest early 
you can save for your reinvention. You can put away for your reinvention. And uh, I mean, I go around the country talking about how you need to have a reinvention plan in your back pocket for that very reason. So that if a reinvention comes your way, you can A, jump on it, or B, if you're forced to jump on it, you're ready. Um, and that requires about a year of living expenses, um, mm -hmm. just in case. What I always say is, hey, you don't, you don't have to reinvent yourself. You can like, you know, buy yourself a car, <laughs> like <laughs> or a big vacation, take the family on vacation if it doesn't happen. But it's a good, you know, like in the olden days, this is gonna date me. We used to have Christmas clubs, like when I first started out working and they would take like $15 out of every check and put it away. Oh, right. Do you remember that? I do. It's funny. I haven't heard of those in a long time. I know, I know. And, um, but it's like that. It's almost like putting away something for that rainy day. Cause there is going to be a rainy day. The question is, what do you have to, to attack it with? Um, and there are people I've interviewed who have started businesses from nothing. There are people I've interviewed who literally have sold their houses um, because they want to do this so much that they just feel they have to, and that's where they're going to get the money for it. And it has been the joy of their life to do that. Mm. The other thing is time. Everybody says, I'm too busy. I can't do it. I really do believe that you make time for the things that you think are important. And like what you're saying, one of the most interesting techniques that I have learned over the time is do one thing a day. It doesn't have to be three hours worth of something toward your reinvention. It can be picking up a phone call. It can be looking up a website. It can be buying a book. It can be, it can be taking a class, a single class online. It can be one thing every single day and you kind of put it in the, the idea of control. I put it in the idea of momentum. One thing a day is the building block. Moving forward, what every single person says to me is just starting, mm -hmm. is the key to getting going, is the one foot in front of the other, even if you don't know where you're headed, just that one thing. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny at Camp Reinvention, we talk all the time about start before you're ready. Mm. We have this notion sometimes that we need to be bulletproof. We need to know everything yes. we know before we start. And that is so not right. Right. Well, what we need to do is start, like you just said, Leslie, with one thing a day, just one step, because every one of those steps, you just get a little bit more information yes. and you get a little bit of that momentum that you're talking about. I mentioned control and maybe that was a yeah. word. I think it's more about having a sense of being the driver of your life, right? Yeah, I like so, that. Like we don't, we, we can't control everything. We just can't. And uncertainty always exists, but we can choose how we're going to deal with it. And if we're going to be the person that is proactively engaged in our life to steer it the direction we want to go. And the only way we can do that is by making those steps and doing it before you're ready, because yes. you become ready by getting into motion. Yes, absolutely. So the imaginary things then that stand in the way are money, it's time, any, anything else that you see standing Appro Approval. People are concerned about other people's approval. It could be a husband. It could be your kids. You know, mm -hmm. I've had people, what I love is if you listen to the podcast, I mean, there are people whose kids said, mom, you're out of your mind. Hmm. And then there have been the kids who say, mom, do it anyway. Just do it. You're right. 
So, you know, it's, it don't always look for that approval. Sometimes the biggest things that happen are because you can see it and other people can't. And we're always looking for approval. And the other thing that, that I'm sure that you know too from you know, running your various groups and camp reinvention is that if we stick with the people that we already know, and this is one of the accidental geniuses of Covey Club, is coming into a group of people who don't know you actually gets rid of that need for approval because they're going to accept you the way you are now, not the way you were. Because if you want to reinvent, you know, that group of friends who are like, ah, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like, and then one of them makes a change. Now, what happens to the other three complainers? Uh Oh, (laughs) now maybe I have to do something about my problem because Leslie actually did something and look, she's happier. Uh oh! Now I'm just a lazy complainer. You know, so, so interesting. Like too is is the people that are around us in our daily life, the people that love us most, don't always like seeing us change. They and don't like because, change, and it's not because they're not behind us. They they usually right. are. They're usually totally behind us. But when we change, they now have to navigate how they relate to you, right? Like they don't always feel comfortable with that. And the people that are around you, even though they're super well-meaning, they are going to put on to you their feedback and their feedback is through the lens of their fears, their experience, their insecurities, their, right? And so to put yourself with a group of people like Covey Club, where everybody in that environment is looking to create that change and support you with that change, that's a total game changer because again, it's really hard to create change alone. It's really, it really hard to do that. People don't like change to begin with and it's really right. hard to do alone. Right. Yes. And, and it's, I, I agree with you that it's not intentional, but it, it changes things for them. It's just the same way that if you have a couple and one of them refuses to go into therapy, what they say is, well, you go into therapy. And at first you're like, oh, so you're just trying to take my money. It's not true. It's that by you creating change forces them to change. Yes. And so it's a very, it's the very similar process. Absolutely. So we've talked about the things that are kind of imaginary that stand in the way, things like money and time and wanting approval or permission from people. What about those real things that stand in the way? I mean, the reality is it can be hard to create a change. So what are some of those real things that get in the way for people? Yes. Well, there's refusal to be honest about your career situation or about your, you know, personal situation, about your family situation, whatever your situation is, um, that can be something that really stands in the way. One thing too, is an awful lot of people um, change because of a diagnosis, a physical diagnosis Mm. that are real, that are super real. They come out of nowhere. I can't even tell you. Some people have had two cancer diagnoses um, in a row and those are real, but they still make change around them, which I always find absolutely stunning. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do find it stunning how many people in the podcast have said, and I I just can't believe it because I've never been through it personally, but they, they talk about these very, very serious diseases 
And they say, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it stopped me dead in my tracks Mm. and made me change, made me look at what I really wanted, made me say, why am I on this treadmill? I don't want to be on here. Right. So it's very interesting in that respect. That is interesting. And you know, it's, it's interesting as well. You know, sickness, of course, can wake us up to what we want in life, but I think getting older can too. Yes. I, I really do think that as we're getting older, it's not, you know, people call it a midlife crisis or whatever, but right. it's, not a, it's not a crisis. I think it's about getting to know who you are and what works for you and what doesn't and getting a, a new or a renewed vision for what is, what is that best life that I really want in this second half of our life? I don't know. I think there's, there's an awakening, you know, yes. that happens at this age where you get a lot more clarity on what it is you want and who it is you want to be. Yes. And the age thing, I think doubles down, well, COVID doubled down on the age thing. I think there's something that happens around age 40 and definitely around age 50, Mm -hmm. where you say to yourself, okay, I've been alive, maybe longer than I'm going to be alive now. What do I want to do with this second half? It's not a game anymore. And you don't have time to waste. And I'll tell you, I think that's why Covey Club found itself during COVID is that it really strengthens the mind to say, gee, if COVID could take me out in two weeks, which it did for some Mm -hmm. people at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah, how do I want to spend those last two weeks? You know, is, is this really what I want? And maybe it isn't. And so for that reason, it does not surprise me. It kind of takes the, you know, the age thing brings mortality into the question, mm-hmm. but then something like the pandemic really throws, throws the gauntlet down on mortality and says, what are you doing? Does this matter? Is, you know, look, first half of your life was great, but maybe it's not how you want to play the second half. And mm-hmm. now's the moment to say, what do I want to do? How do I want to change? How do I want to play the second half? A lot of the stuff that mattered to us in the first half doesn't matter in the second half. And we can be a totally different person. You know, we can wear Birkenstocks with socks, (laughs) you know, which I never thought I would do, you know, like, and I go out to, I actually go out to, um, you know, we have to put our garbage out. And the other day I had my socks on from working out and I was going to throw on the Birkenstocks to drag out the garbage. And I thought, you know, and I worked at Vogue, I worked at Harper's Bazaar, I've traveled the world, I've right. gone to the fancy. And I thought I should take off the socks before I put the Birkenstocks you know on. You know what's so great, like, about getting <laughs> factor goes way down, right? Yes, exactly. And I was like, fuck it, who cares? I don't care if anybody sees me. <laughs> and um, it's just funny shit like that, that which is nice, you know? Absolutely. So question for you, you've worked primarily in the female space, right? Yes. Women interviewing women that you're, you know, serving with your magazines in your previous life. How do you think being a woman impacts reinvention? And do you think it's different for us than it is for men? What's really interesting is the thing about being female. I mean, what I always, I came to the conclusion of, which I didn't even realize um, until I kind of had left publishing is that if being a female had been totally equal with men, I wouldn't have had a career. I've Mm -hmm. spent my entire life catering to a minority. 
and with minority exclusions, minority problems, um, even though we're not really a minority, we are half the population, we've been treated as a minority, which is really very interesting. Mm -hmm. And what many of most all, I would say majority of the women that I interviewed when I asked them about this question themselves, one is that they feel ageism in corporate life way before men do. And we actually had a team up with um, MSNBC and Mika's, um, Mika Brzezinski's group, um, Know Your Value, to do a study about this because I kept hearing it so often um, where women were saying they felt that they were being pushed out of the workforce before age 50. And there was no research on this. Um, what we discovered is that indeed they are and the harder men are being pushed out as well, but men get back in. Mm. Women have a harder time getting back in. And so they have to reinvent themselves in a different way career-wise. And then an awful lot of women say they're not surprised that women have to reinvent because they've had to reinvent themselves all along because you, you may have your career and then you have a kid and you're not getting the help that you need. So you've got to juggle both things. We used to call it juggling, but it's really reinventing. You have to, you know, manage the kid and manage your career. And, you know, then you get a house and then you have to manage the career of the kid and the house. And I mean, you're constantly, you're constantly reinventing. So women are very versatile. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time with men. Uh, There's been one courageous man who joined Covey Club. (laughs) (laughs) I was really proud of him. Stephen was great. He's the, during the pandemic, he came to all of our uh, virtual events. He, he's bailed and moved on <laughs> since then. No, but he always had great insights. And I think the men yeah. that are drawn to this type of conversation and type of work are the men that are really open and, and yes. they get so much out of it because they do. they're starving for it. They don't yes. have it in the natural relationships they have in their lives. Yes, exactly. So, um, but I think it is, I think there's a lot more reinvention forced on women than there is on men. Mm -hmm. But I think for that reason, we're more resilient. And I think we're more comfortable with it and we um, do a better job with it. And yeah, I, I I don't, I think women should be more confident that they already have a lot of these skills and that they, they can, figure their way through it because they have, once they realize that they've figured their way through other things, um, they realize they already have those skills. And that's the true lesson. I feel like I always see that women are more ready, more resilient, more knowing every, knowing what they need to know more so than they think they do. If that makes sense. No, no, no. Correct. We we question ourselves, but they're so much more ready than they think they are. Totally, totally. I mean, and it goes back to the old stereotype, which we all talk about, which is when the guy and the girl are applying for the same job or the man and the woman, and the man looks through the list of requirements and he's got, you know, 30% of them and he raises his hand, you know, I'm going to be great at this. And the woman looks through the list and she gets to 99% of them and says, oh, maybe I need to go back to school. And so true and so sad. Yeah, sad. that's where we are. We don't, we, ha- we know a lot more than we think we do. We just don't have the confidence. Yeah. And, um, you know, and for some women, it's a question of where did that confidence that they had in their twenties go? Um, and of course, those are all the conversations that we have at Covey and, and talk about 
um, how to find that confidence again. Yeah, absolutely. So important. Now I've got one last question for you. Sure. No, Leslie, you spent your time, so much of your time focusing on reinvention. Obviously you landed in magazine publishing in the world of being editor in chief of more magazine, all about reinvention. Right. And of course that's what coffee club is about. So what is it about you? Like, why are you personally interested in it? What is it that, that attracts you to reinvention and why is that your motivation? So interesting. Good question. I didn't realize it, but because my parents moved around a lot, Mm -hmm. I had to reinvent myself all the time. This was in the 50s and 60s. I was born in 1957. And my dad was in the Navy. And in those days, if you remember Mad Men, how Mad Men, like they didn't care about the kids the way we do. They, we don't, they didn't build their lives around us. They got a transfer. I remember being taken off the stage during a, a baton recital to catch an airplane. You know, it was like, and I was mortified, like, you know, I, like my parents couldn't even wait till the recital was over. You know, it's like, this was, this was how it was done. You were their baggage, right? They weren't going to work around you. It, that just was not how it was done. Mm. So I was thrown into, and, and I have, you know, horrible memories of moving into a new classroom. I want to say it must've been fourth grade on Valentine's day, arriving at a oh. new new classroom going, hi, this is the new girl. Would you give her one of your Valentine's? Oh. Like, you know, and everybody's like, you. <laughs> oh yeah, like who is this girl? And why do I have, why do I have to give, I'm gonna give her the ugly one. So I was forced into reinvention um, because I had to. And what was so interesting, we moved every two years for a long period of my life. And, um, and it really, I didn't know that. I didn't understand that until somebody said to me, oh, that's why you're so friendly is mm -hmm. because you had to be friendly. And, and it was really a very interesting observation. Yes. If I wasn't super friendly and uber extrovert, I would have had no friends. Right. So what's weird is I noticed in my career life then, because I had moved so often as kids in my personal life, I didn't want any change. I wanted to be in one place. I didn't want to be changing jobs and moving all over the place. I was, I was, I was somebody who was not, I would stay too long at a job just because I didn't like all that disruption, right? And that's a very common thing. But when I would have to reinvent myself every seven years, I, I would get the itch. And I would like at seven years, I was like getting really bored with whatever I was doing and I had to go. And in those days, seven years, that was early. I know this sounds ridiculous to Xers and anybody else who's younger, but seven years, that was, you know, like, whoo, you were, you were turning over the jobs. And um, I still find that I like a good change. And I like that feeling of exploring something new. And it comes about every, it does come about every seven years, I get bored. And I, I think a lot of it had to do with the constant change in my early life. And also um, having then settled with my kids, we were in uh, the suburbs of New York for 24 years, which is something that I really wanted to do for them. Of course, they're like, oh, this is so boring to spend our whole lives in one place. <laughs> We're not coming back here. Get out of here. 
And I was like, okay, well, I was trying to give you a sense of place because I didn't have a sense of place. We share that same part of our story, Leslie. It's funny. <laughs> I grew up in five different states. Right. And same thing. My kids have been in the same town. Right. <laughs> so, you try to do the yeah, opposite. Give that. You know, you try to do the opposite. And, but, um, and so I think part of my curiosity probably comes from that. I had to be curious or I wasn't going to have any friends. I had to be friendly. I had to be an extrovert. And I am naturally, I am just naturally a curious person. And a lot of the people that I attract around me my whole life, the funny thing is that we share curiosity and it's a very unusual, interesting trait, but it also plays itself out in Covey Club is that I would say people I attract to Covey Club happen to be naturally curious. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. You're absolutely right. You attract what you are, right? Yes. And I yes. think we've attracted a group of women that are curious, that want to change, that are accomplished, that comes from different walks of life. Yep. So yep. you've attracted very much, I think, part of what you embody as a person. Yep. Yep. And my last part of the reinvention was packing up from the suburbs of New York and taking a wing on moving down to New Orleans, which was the best thing I ever did. Sometimes getting out of your skin is the best thing you can do to see yourself in a new way and mm -hmm. to start over and to, you know, it's a very American thing to kind of reinvent yourself. I mean, again, I go back to Mad Men and, um, you know, that was a very cynical way of looking at reinventing yourself, but it's part of the American story mm -hmm. is that you can, there's a, there's a moment in fact, in when, um, Peggy's having the baby and Don says to her, just forget about it, put it behind you. You'll be shocked at how easy it is to do that. I mean, which is so incredibly, <laughs> but it's such an incredibly <laughs> cynical thing to say about a child. Like you oh can't forget gosh. a child, but it, but it goes to the fact of how American it is to start over. Right. I mean, remember he was an invented person and, you know, this was, this was the ethos of America. And so it's kind of in our blood in a way. And um, I just like that feeling of a new start. And sometimes one of, the, one of the things also that I've done a lot of reading about when you get into your 50s and 60s, if you are going to change location, you must do it then. If you don't do it, then the odds are against you because what's going to happen is somebody's going to fall ill and you're not going to be able to move. Mm. So there are a lot of people feeling itchy once their kids are gone and have left the home and they're itching, itching. They're not sure. Like they were in a place where it was great to raise kids and now they want to do something for themselves. I really, 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 really highly recommend you may not have all the I's dotted and the T's crossed, go. Because even if it's not the right first thing, it might be the right second thing, but it is the best thing for you in terms of restarting yourself, opening the world up to you in a different way, not being that old suburban mom only, even though I was an executive, you know, that, that kind of in my place I was at, I was Lake and JJ's mom first. And that's great thing. Look, it's the best thing I ever did in my life, mm -hmm. but I've come here and people know I have kids, but that's not the first thing they know about me. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I agree with you that change of geography does that for you. 
And that's not right for everybody, right? No. Some people are really right. happy where they're at. And yes. so yes. to allow yourself to transport yourself, if you will, to different experiences by trying new things, perhaps yes. by traveling, by yes. reading Correct. new books, by t- yes. making new friends, joining new clubs. Yes. I think it's that ability to just put yourself in different situations and to transport yourself into different mindsets and different experiences that also does that for you. Correct. Absolutely. Well, great. Thank you so much. We've reached our time. Dana, thank you a million times for doing this. And I so appreciate it. And I mean, people don't know here, but you were one of the people who reached out to me when I was uh, starting this club. And um, you thought, let me see what we can do together. We'd met briefly um, uh, through business. And now you've become, you know, an, an integral part of Covey Club and everything I do and a per- great personal friend and somebody who has wise, wise thoughts and, and ideas always. Such a pleasure, Leslie. And I thank myself for having the courage to reach out to you because yeah. it's a friendship that I truly cherish. So Me thank too. you. Thanks. So thank you everybody for listening to this episode, our 150th, 100,000th download. Oh my God, I can't believe we're here. Uh, Reinvent yourself. And I hope that you've learned something. I hope you will go back and look at some of the episodes that maybe you missed. And I hope that you will continue forward with us. Please give us a review and give us some stars and share us with anybody you know who is about to reinvent, who is going through a reinvention, and we are happy to help. And again, mosey on over to cubbyclub.com and see all the amazing things that we're doing in the reinvention space. Of course, we are going broader than just reinvention. We talk about your lifestyle and what is happening to you at this stage of life. We focus on women 40 plus, that's our gig. And we would love to have you as part of the Cubby Club family. So until next time, this is Leslie Jane Seymour and I will see you again.